welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast, the podcast where, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on a second. I realize that we normally do Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and we've been doing it for a while, but yeah, we kind of ran out of movies to discuss. So we've decided to do something a little make bit different. Make it up, different. Marvel. You don't make enough stuff, obviously. <laughs> I know. like I know, right? Like 2020 and 2021, we're going to have enough Marvel to just, go around. Just for lazy, it. lazy work all around. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, man. So <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to go to the Fox land before Fox joined up with, with Marvel and Disney. And we're going to talk about X-Men Days of Future Paths. Um, my name is Anthony Canton. I'm one of your ho- co-hosts. Also with me are my two pals, my two buddies. First, our producer, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? You know, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. Excited to talk about this. Jerome Chang, Black Dragon Roll. What's happening, my brother? Uh, not much. Just um, traveling to the U.S. every couple of weeks at this point to follow Toronto FC around, but uh, happy to get back here. Actually, I, I remember one of the trips where I was complaining about Fox X-Men movies, and here we are right now, so this really feels full circle. It, it sure does, right? And speaking of traveling, this movie involves time travel. So, And uh, Days of Future Past, this is an X-Men movie, came out May 23rd, 2014, directed by Brian Singer, Somewhat problematic in these parts, but whoa, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Aziz Ansari, somewhat problematic. Brian Singer is like, <laughs> I mean, full on. Uh, like, yeah, there's, I, there might have to be some allegedly cat percent. Yeah, only one of those people you could do a sorted history about. Let's yeah, just say yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the Brian Singer, like if he did like half the stuff he's accused of, then like, yeah. So, like, you keep it moving, but I just want to call that out. <laughs> no, I appreciate you for being my moral compass on this one. I really do. <laughs> Um, nonetheless, so I, so in thinking about rewatching this movie after five years to kind of get started with a general topic type of discussion, Jake, how did you feel that this movie aged watching it again? In some ways it feels like, uh, like still pretty modern and fresh, especially a lot of the time travel stuff feels like interesting in a way. But then also, some of it just feels like it's 100 years old. Um, yeah. Not, like, I think I think that that's just the X-Men in general. The X-Men feel... There, there's still some of the uh, vestiges of the early 2000s movies. Mm-hmm. And just some of the... Like, some of the... I don't even know. The way I... The main time I was thinking about it is when I saw, like... Just the way, like, Magneto's dressed, for example... It's just like yeah. so over the top, <laughs> like it, it. It all just feels super. Um, I don't. I don't even know. It. It just doesn't feel grounded, and it almost until we go back in time, the stuff in the future obviously doesn't feel grounded because you know it's like right. a destroyed world. Right. But like the world of mutants, it doesn't feel. Um, I don't know. It doesn't feel as integrated into the world in a lot of ways as uh, the MCU does. And like I said, it just generally feels like this. Some of like the lines and stuff are like this is. This could be in a movie in 2004, and I would believe it. Yeah, I kind of felt like that. Uh, Jerome, how about you? How did you feel about it? Uh, I remember watching this one and thinking, like, it was fine. It was a good movie. Like, I I was entertained by it. Uh, When you look at – there's so many X-Men movies, and especially when you start factoring in the Wolverine spinoffs as well. And this is definitely in the better section of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And – I don't know. I, I think it's just by the time this comes out, and this is like Brian Singer's return to the series after he leaves it to Brett Ratner, and then Matthew Vaughn comes in uh, with First Class, which I was it was honestly kind of a shame. I wish Matthew Vaughn continued on after First Class and yeah. uh, didn't mm-hmm. really break because like once Brian Singer kind of came back, it was almost like it regressed back into yeah. some of the stuff like like First Class felt fresh. Yeah. And that was something like yeah. a direction that like I thought, oh, this could go places. And then um, Singer comes in and it's almost like he just applies his X-Men and X2 formula to the same thing. Um, it has like the best parts that can come out of 
a Brian Singer X Men movie, but also the worst parts that get like yeah. even worse when you see the subsequent sequels that come afterward. It's funny because I agree right. with you on the Matthew Vaughn thing. Although I would probably say that I still end up liking this movie more than First Class, just because I think the script, oh interesting okay. This, I think the script and like the plot is so because um, First Class has a lot of bits that actually kind of like drag for a little bit. It I think that because I've, I've watched it on cable a few months ago and it it is kind of. Uh, there's a lot of it, especially any of the bits with January Jones are kind of just, like, not great to watch. Mm. But, yeah, I, I like this mm. movie a lot, but I agree. I think this movie would been much better if it was with Matthew Vaughn because there's a certain self-seriousness that Brian Singer takes the right. um, superhero stuff with. Not that you can't be serious in a superhero movie. It's just that, like, I don't know. The It's kind of like how much more can he do with this property at this point? Yeah, like, it's and, almost when he left at X2. Yeah, and, yeah. like, the – well, in, I mean, he, when he was kicked off – for X three, but that's not here or there. Um, but because right. like now, going looking back, we can make fun of how heavy handed the analogies and metaphors of X two are. Like the famous mm-hmm. scene where it's like, "Have you are you a mutant? You're a mutant. Have you ever tried not being a mutant?" Type of thing. Um, and while it's not as overt in this movie, like so, the the parts where I feel Brian Singer's hand too much are where it's about where there's the metaphors for being different and like magneto speeches about like all that stuff is just like it feels so it, it just doesn't feel um like it's in a f- in an inter- entertaining movie it feels so 2002 right <laughs> <laughs> which, gener- which is funny because when i watch this movie i think about like all of the x-men movies in general and how they kind of when you think about the idea of taking the story and just kind of like throwing it on its head, and this is an actual, this is an actual thing, like in terms of Days of Future Past, as far as the whole time travel situation, mm-hmm. they basically used it as an excuse um, to kind of set everything back to order. So, like all the continuity, like all it's the stuff that goes happened back in, in time in the comic, right? Uh, is yeah. that how it? right? Okay. Yeah. So, like, so. Basically, it they use this movie for lack of a better term to kind of just reset everything because they felt lazy. And well, I mean, right. I, I mean, I, I think I would say less because they felt lazy. I think that that's a bit uncharitable. What I would say is I think that because Brian Singer lost control of the X Men franchise and X Men: The Last Stand happened, and like uh-huh. a ton of major characters were killed off, and like I think that. Um, I think they wanted to reset the world because one, like it was a whole new franchise. And also because I feel like if we were to, you know, keep making X-Men movies up until like the characters in like the mid nineties, at some point the audience would be like, it's really nice. They saved the world, but like, isn't professor X just going to get torn apart by Jean Grey in 15 years. So I feel like they kind of <laughs> had to, um, cause if they're not going to continue it on the same trajectory as right. last stand, then I think they needed to, um, and also, I think it was cool to have both the old and new guys in the same movie. Like, I think that the, the conceit is, like... I think the reason I like it a lot is just because I think the conceit of it... I think the, the credit for me liking this movie is from whoever came up with the comic. is Because I think they're just a great... Um, yeah. It's, it's just an awesome way. Because I, th- I think that the actors who play Magneto and Professor X are both so good. I mean, particularly to have Michael Fassbender... And Patrick Stewart, because I think they are the best, pers- respectively, at those roles in the same movie. It's yeah. really a treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, com- I completely agree with you on that one. Um, first category, and I thought this was an interesting one, and I brought it up to you guys in the chat. I, since Wolverine is like almost everybody's favorite all the time, we'll just take him out of this. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite? Not my, not my favorite in this movie, by the way. No, Wolverine. I actually. Ooh, so let me ask you a question, Jerome. Do you think that Hugh Jackman mailed it in here? He, he did like the like LeBron like twenty five seven and seven mm-hmm. like it's it's gonna get you a W and mm-hmm. he's good and he's probably gonna be like one of the best if not the best player on the team but I it's I think it's it's the fatigue of seeing that character and over and over again and I think yeah for Hugh Jack. Ackman. There was just nothing interesting for him to do at this point up until basically yeah. Logan. Right? I, I, I was actually going to say yeah. that exact thing because it's weird because he's the character who's in the movie the most. But in terms of yeah. like story and character development, he goes through probably like the least. In the past, has like the least going on. 
because everyone else yeah. is dealing with these revelations and stuff like that, whereas he has is kind of one-track mind. He's a like, plot device. Exactly, yeah, exactly. There's not much yes. for him to do from scene to scene. Not, And I think that he's fine in what he does, and I think that, um, in fact, I think that the fact that it's not a Wolverine-centric movie that is really is helps because ultimately I think the movie, even though Wolverine's the plot device, the movie really is about Magneto and Professor X. So I think right. that I don't mind the fact that he's um, not as... Uh, not as overpowering as he is in um, the original X-Men trilogy. Not overpowering, because I think it was a good thing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, he blew I, up. I mean, honestly, it, what happened was, right, like he blows up with the fir- uh, first trilogy, and what kind of happens in this set from first class, and it's probably more of what's happening outside of the movies, but Jennifer Lawrence blows up so, bi- so big that oh, she I, needs I to be such an important element. I want to talk about so much about Jennifer Lawrence yeah. signing up to do the I'm fast. I'm so fascinated with people who sign contracts and then become more famous because she signed on to X Men First Class before the Hunger Games, and like in between, right. in between the two first movies she signed up for, she st- became the star of like one of the biggest franchises and movies ever, and won an Academy mm-hmm. Award. And then she had to do another movie where she's like, think about it this way: you cast an actress to play a character who, at most of the time, is either other people, therefore played by other actors, or in a full right. blue suit. And so now you have this actress who is worldwide famous. People, like, you know, they think she's beautiful. They, they want to see her on screen. And it's like, well, either you get another person playing her character or she's going to be all blue. Like, that I, – I She's can't... also progressively more human in each movie. Yeah. Yes. In more in her human form. Yeah. Yes, which I think is – from a character standpoint, is probably not accurate. From a film producing standpoint, is probably the right call because I don't blame <laughs> them at all. Because like I don't think no, people no. were that upset when the Rebecca Romaine was mostly blue. But uh, yeah, it's kind of funny because I remember I was I forget who I what podcast I was hearing this on. I think it might have been on a um, a Ringer podcast talking about Dark Phoenix, which is a movie I did not see, but I heard listened to a podcast about it. That Mystique is not at all as important of a character in the comics as she's in the movies. Um, no, especially not at in the, all. and in this, it's just because Jennifer Lawrence um, is so right. big. It's like I don't really blame them for doing that. Uh, because no, I mean I, I think whether the movie is and knowing the fatigue of it, you just have to go off your star power, which is why you yeah. have your Hugh Jackman and Jennifer Lawrence carrying yeah, I the don't whole need thing. Lucas Till to get any more screen time. Shouts out to Ben. <laughs> shouts out, and he's also uh, shouts out to all my MacGyver reboot heads. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. To answer your question, oh. uh, the uh, my favorite non-Wolverine yeah. character is probably right. uh, Magneto. Even though I think he has some really cheesy lines, I think just his the Fastbender Magneto, right? He's yeah, Fastbender so... Magnetos. Like the what I was thinking about when I was watching the movie yesterday was when uh, some of the scenes. It's like this is what computer effects can do with superheroes and like magneto is the most visually in my opinion visually interesting superhero because there's so much that happened like the i mean there's because there's so many set pieces you can do i remember like one of the first um great superhero set pieces even though i didn't see this movie when it came out but like the bit from x2 which i think is one of the few bits that still holds up where magneto takes the blood uh, iron out of the guy's blood and turns him into like little balls that he kills people that with. was pretty cool yeah and, like so i, I like think that. that that is like 2002 technology and then you get 2014 technology where he just can do there's just like every scene there's like something cool he can do with metal it's and and also michael fassbender is one of the top 10 actors of his generation yada 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 Mm-hmm. How about you, Jerome? Um, I mean, it is Fastbender just for the mm-hmm. sheer amount. Like, I want to say Quicksilver, but it's not fair to say because it's really just because of one scene and he's there as a cameo throughout it. It is kind of fair, Jerome, because... It is. Quicks- he's in it, he's See, in it for like 20 minutes. Thing. He, yeah, yeah, I guess. I and guess. But thing. I mean, like, but yeah. ultimately, like, I did the... T- like, from... Let's see. This is a minute and eighteen seconds of really what I think all that matters for sure, and all that really lasts. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that respect, it's really just because it's the best part of the movie, but it's more the scene than it is the character. So yeah, um, I would go. Yeah, like Fastbender has to be the choice at that point. Um, No one else is particularly uh, outstanding, Mm -hmm. I guess is the word. Uh, I like a lot of the performances, but I feel like a lot of the performances are more understated 
um, which is right. also, I think, a thing, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think that's a big difference in the X-Men and the Marvel movies. Like, there's not a single understated performance in the Marvel movies, whereas they think that, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nicholas Holt is really restrained as Hank McCoy, which I don't think is a bad thing, but, like, you just wouldn't get that in... Uh, he'd be, no, I think I, he'd be a I, lot I just more wish... manic and a lot more that's like... kind of the unfortunate thing yeah. you mentioned nicholas holt and i think he does a fine job as mm-hmm. beast but uh even though it's it's x3 and it, he shows up at the end of this one but kelsey grammar, kelsey grammar as beast is fantastic i just, love it so... I, I will defend that to the day i die because i mean the whole thing yeah. about beast is he is as a human is supposed to be the least beastly right. person ever and so yeah anyway exactly yeah and uh outside oh i just also want to shout out just because I feel like this is something that happened at the time, and it seems relevant to this day and age, especially with uh, everything that happened recently with basketball. But gotta love the obligatory uh, Chinese actor insertion. Um, just that one character. I think Bing Bing. Oh, Bing Bing. Yeah, yeah. Fan Bing Bing or Bing Bing Lee. Something like. And so, those are both different Chinese actresses. I don't know which one it is. It, I apologize. It's it's one of the Bing Bing. No, yeah, same. It's okay. You're forgiven. Okay. No, <laughs> I, I'm glad that you have the authority to forgive me. You're good. <laughs> no, um, hey, I, I don't really remember myself, but I just mm. love it at the time because it happens in this movie and it real. I mean, it happens entirely in that one Transformers movie where they go to China altogether. Yeah. And they also, their set piece of where they're protecting, the, like their fortress is at the Great Wall of China. Mm. And I just think that's hilarious that yeah. it's so, like now, now that does, be... It does look cool, by the way. It's Bing Bing fan. Bing Bing fan. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, right. Uh, I think Bing Bing Lee is so, the one who was in the Meg. Let me double check that. You keep going. Uh, um, yeah, she was. But... <laughs> she also wasn't that Transformers <laughs> movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh-huh. I mean, for me, it's Fastbender. I like this is kind of also going back to first class, but like Michael Fastbender as Magneto is just so awesome, which is saying a lot because Ian McKellen as Magneto is also fantastic yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So. It like both versions uh, really nail it, but Fastbender does such a good job of like being a different character who is not at the point in his life that an Ian McKellen's uh, ver- uh, age version of it is. Yeah. Um, I don't feel it as much uh, for the uh, for Professor X, but in this one, like you just you can see the youthful yeah. Fastbender, like more impulsive uh, there, and I just think he does a great job, and it's almost like. Uh, it's not phoning it in, but like it just comes so naturally to him in this one. He's just so good in the character. There's so much. Ru- I think the thing that he has that McKellen doesn't, and I think that if there's another thing that definitely is just not that it didn't age well about the original X Men trilogy, but they just wouldn't do <laughs> this now. If if they're gonna have a character like Magneto be in three straight movies, they would not have done it where it feels like, especially in the first movie, that he is um, very one note like arch villain bad guy like his motivations are like mm-hmm. um but whereas with like michael fassman there's there's just so much anger mm-hmm. on the surface and i think that that is, he's not maniacal you know what i mean like he is he has a lot of like, layers see, right like he is seething with rage about how he has been mistreated and how his people you know so i think that that is so um interesting to watch because it's one of those things, whenever he's like making his arguments about how he thinks mutant, we should mutant should act or whatever, I don't necessarily agree with mm-hmm. him. But like he has the energy, which is like you want to tell him you don't agree with him because like I, I get where mm-hmm. he's coming from. You know, he's he's angry. Right. Yeah, I, I think the I think when you talk about the passion and you talk about like the idea of playing the younger version of this character, who's kind of um, how do you say more unpredictable in that mm-hmm. sense and more passionate because obviously the Ian McKellen version is a lot more cool and calm and collected about what he what he's doing is not so anger but you you see that passion in, in Fastbender and that's why I would say the same thing but I Jerome I do do agree with you on Quicksilver because every time I see Quicksilver on the screen he's like I think of the uh, MCU Quicksilver and I was like they really could have traded the dude yeah. and just had that one. They they could have had that one in there. That's the that's just my personal opinion on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, one of the things I wanted to jump to next, and Jake was funny because you mentioned it. Um, Professor X's side or Magneto's side? Who are you rolling with as far as that's concerned? So I I heard you, Jake, say you don't necessarily agree. Uh, with uh, well, with uh, I, what I mean, I'm rolling with doing. Professor X generally because if I roll mm-hmm. with Magneto, then that means I'm arguing for the subjugation of the human race. And like, right. I get I, there's a huge difference. I get no, no, where it's coming true. from. Like, it's... but it's like in the same way that like, 
in the same way that like it you know when i'm walking down the street and that if there's like you know black and mm-hmm. like preachers talking about how the white man has like done the black man like forever and ever and ever i'm like yeah but then when they say then that's why we need to rise up and kill all of them it's like i i'm sorry i just i get you lost me so like yeah can i use some can yeah. i use some context sure <laughs> can i use some context and say as far as like a fictional world where there's mutants and stuff like that who do you agree with <laughs> yeah i know i know no i know i know i know i know the point still stands that even I, in I, that world i don't want the mutants to rule over humans i think that uh professor x is naive about um I, about showing them a better way i think that professor x's biggest problem is that he's just on on some level if you want to make peace with the humans you got to be like it, he's very high-minded about the we don't mean to harm you or whatever just be like hey guys like we're all over. Like, just we'll help you. Like, we yeah. don't, we don't want to hurt you. But like, his unwillingness to just like everything has to be cloaked in like metaphor and like I don't know. It doesn't really. Uh, uh-huh. I get why he's an ineffectual leader and why Magneto keeps convincing people to join him. <laughs> Jerome, how about you? I can't wait. For this I, I mean, no. <laughs> what? Uh, honestly, like, what are you asking of me right now? Like, are you saying like you want me to go murder like a pick a side and pick a side? Um, <laughs> look, if I want to win a game seven, I'm going to go with Magneto. <laughs> That's a but if I want to build a franchise that I don't want to see burned down, uh, yeah, I'll probably go with Professor Xavier. Like, that's, it's just, you're on, there's one you're going to run through a wall for, like, literally, like, juggernaut bitch. But, um, <laughs> but... Yeah, no, it just ultimately, like, if you're asking, like, because you're basically saying, like, if I were to apply this to a real-world scenario, like, you cannot apply Magneto's plan to a real-world scenario. Like, you're an insane villain. That's what it is. So, I mean, I this would be the best part, like, this would be a monumental part of the podcast if this is where we discover that AC's been Team Magneto this whole time. <laughs> like, if he just, like, comes in and just drops in, like... Ooh, you know, let me tell you. Let, let, let me tell you. Let me give some you days, you know? Some this. days, guys. Yeah. I don't know, right? <laughs> if I could. If I could. Um, if I were oh, a mutant, man. if I were a member of, like, a 0.1% of the population, I think we definitely <laughs> yeah. should roll over the 90 Nine point nine. Without question. Without oh question. man, I just want to give a special shout out to a friend of the show, Stephanie Williams, who whenever she tweets about Professor Xavier, it it's, just really makes me. It really. I will the tell argument. you, watching this, I saw it in a completely different lens. Now with like Stephanie mm-hmm. in my timeline in life, like she's just. Uh, the one scene where they want to pull him out and he's like, no, keep him in there longer. Like, we're almost there. I was like, you don't give a fuck. He really like, does you not. do not give a fuck about your people. Like, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. man. Hashtag uh, Team Magneto. Yeah, t- right? <laughs> Jake, I have this really, really important question to ask you about this movie. How did you feel about the fake Richard Nixon? I that's actually a good question. I think it's fine. The problem, the, honestly, I, I it's a thankless task. I feel like setting a movie it's between you can't, 1961 yeah. and 1963 or 1969 and 1973, and you have a president in it is completely like there's a no win situation because like no one can do JFK as well like in a way that doesn't take you out of the movie, and no one can do Nixon, especially no one can do Nixon in a way that doesn't take you out of the movie. Like there have been obviously like good Nixon performances. Like I think like. Frank I think Langella. the Bishop casting was more insulting, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Langella was good. I mean, what well, you say Bishop as in French actor Omar Sy? That's fine. But uh, <laughs> that – I actually no, I don't know anything about Bishop. I just – I Omar Sy is good and stuff. Anyway, but yeah, Frank oh, Langella sure is great. Is just, um, yeah. Anthony Hopkins I think is pretty good in the movie Nixon. But like the, the thing I didn't like is I think if you're going to have a Nixon in this movie – I think you need to cast it as someone who's like kind of recognizable and like a little famous, because I think that something mm-hmm. that is, because Richard Nixon, the way he looks, like most people who look like Richard Nixon aren't important people. Like mm-hmm. if you like read in any of the psychology of Richard Nixon, he felt like an underdog all the time. He he didn't like the fact that he clearly was a lot uglier than JFK. Yada 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 yada. So I think that if you want, in the same way that I remember that um, 
David Fincher talked about one of the reasons he wanted to cast Justin Timberlake in The Social Network is because he wanted the audience to immediately think that his character Sean Parker was someone important that people should, like, care about. I think that when you're casting a president in, like, a small part, you should cast someone who's, like, Mm -hmm. recognizable. So then the audience is like, okay, this is not just another guy in this room. Because in the Oval Office scene, the only actor you recognize is Peter Dinklage. Everyone else, like, you only know Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon, because he kind of does the... and sits behind the desk, you know? (laughs) So... I think that it would have been much better if they cast Wolverine. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. If they cast someone who was maybe not doing a great Nixon impression, but had um, a recognizable face and energy, because I just don't like. It's kind of an afterthought. Hey, Jerome, as a Canadian, how did you feel about fake Richard Nixon? Um, not the worst president in the X Men series. Uh, I, I always give that to X Three, the X Men: The Last Stand. Oh, um, that one guy. I, I don't even know what his name was like as a president in it, but I just enjoyed that he was placed there to say the most cliche statements. Like we would have to go back to the movie and watch it, but I just remember mm-hmm. he just say the worst things all the time. He wasn't a character; he was just like a sounding board. And yeah, um, I don't know. It, it didn't really get in the way. It was like it was just supposed to establish a time, right? So it made it feel like it was really a part of history. Mm-hmm. Um, in in which case, like, because I guess the humans are really so secondary, it doesn't really matter who yeah. plays it as long as you can, like, identify that that's supposed to be Richard Nixon. Um, I did enjoy the part uh, where they, they pull out the tape recorder and stop the recording. And so, yeah. like, to mm-hmm. <laughs> imply that, like, mutants were <laughs> hidden from it, like, that was part of what uh, Richard Nixon was hiding the whole time, the yeah. conversation about that. Um, that's good stuff. But... Uh, yeah, it, so uh, outside of that, like, I actually am more uh, kind of to Jake's point earlier about so many uh, of the actors and characters being understated. I appreciated that it wasn't just some crazy caricature that yes. would be yelling stuff. Because the thing is, yeah. when you have a Nixon on board and you throw him into a comic book movie, it could get ridiculous. Yeah. I would personally enjoy it from a, just an unintentional humor standpoint. But ultimately, I think they made the right move. I think yeah. just... I think the problem I have is that he has – he does a lot of the voice but doesn't have a lot of, like, commanding energy in a way that I guess – Right, yes. Because I – like, I I think think Frank Langella is so good in Frost Nixon and Frank Langella kind of does a little bit of the Nixon stuff but it's mostly like he's just – has a lot of gravity to him. And so I think – yeah, I think that the problem Mm -hmm. is he's just there in a lot of scenes. Um, but I, this is not at all the most important part of the movie, but I do appreciate talking about it because I do – I did have a lot of thoughts, AC. I appreciate you sensing that. (laughs) <laughs> no of, of course, of course. i'm open I to giving sure the movie too up. much credit in that it intentionally made him kind of, just because if nixon existed in a world of mutants he wouldn't be as commanding of a presence oh, yeah, i suppose yeah, yeah. i also think he, I, I, guess. I, wish they, I don't know in that case i wish they would have played up his like fear and like impotence at the prospect right of him because like i said so much of his like everything that's ever been written about Nixon is about how he always had a chip on his shoulder because he was born to a poor family because he didn't look right. he didn't have great education yada 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 so I think that there definitely could have been a lot more about that um, I think like I think there's ultimately and this is the last thing I'll say into that um, if you're going to have the president in a movie like this because you really don't need to have the president in a movie like this the no, fact of the no, matter is it actually doesn't <clears throat> the fact that it doesn't actually matter what time it takes place in like he doesn't act any differently than maybe LBJ or, you know, Jimmy Carter would. Like, there's nothing really, other than the voice, there's nothing really that is notable to him. So, I, I don't know. I think I like that, I think that the climax is so cool that I like the fact that the presence in it. But if you, if you ask me, like, uh, would it be okay if it was either LBJ or Jimmy Carter or someone else? I'd say yes, because the fact that it's Nixon doesn't really change anything about the movie. No, Man, it is amazing! It is amazing how locked I locked in I am into NBA season because every time you said LBJ, I thought of LeBron James. So I was like, hey. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, as far as okay, as far as this movie goes, Jerome, what did you? I won't say hate because hate is such a strong word. What did you feel perturbed about the most in this movie? Um, I we've talked about a lot of it already, but I think it's difficult with um this era of comic book film movies because mm-hmm. um especially in the context of it being around marvel because at this time we're deep into mcu already right mm-hmm. yeah so there's just this thing of we want to have the property but not necessarily commit fully to the characters but we already have inherited the characters from a time where 
no one really like you would get you would get the characters kind of right but the plots were not exactly to the comics mm-hmm. like it just um it's i mean even just in the look of it right like at this point maybe you you could just go all the way in and make them actually look like their characters have their costumes, have the colors, and do all that sort of stuff. But right, um, but it's just it's a hard time. Like it's one of those things, and it, it kind of, that's why like it feels like with Hugh Jackman um, feeling like he's phoning it in. It's just like, does anyone really want to make this movie? <laughs> Which is funny because they are they're I, the thing is I actually feel like a lot of them did want to make this movie and then there was a pop uh-huh. which most people didn't really want to make and then Dark Phoenix which by all <laughs> yeah. accounts it was like an open thing on oh, set yeah, like yeah. we do not want to make this movie which is yeah. crazy because apparently they only did it because they were all they all like liked the director because he was the writer on all the films and it's like yeah we'll do another one for Simon and then once they got oh, yeah, there, the Simon like, Shit, I cannot yeah, yeah, believe yeah because yeah, like apparently like, I, the thing that was crazy is like Jennifer Lawrence t- t- was not contractually obligated to do another movie. But she's like, yeah, I'll do one. And then I can just imagine first hand, like, what, what, what the fuck did I do? Why did I do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's that's great if that were really the case because she gets killed off like halfway through. Like, if yeah, she just decided to do that, probably why she said I don't yes, want this. That was probably yeah, already yeah. the plan. But I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. That because there have been so many times where I have been like going into something and been like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. And then someone convinced me, yeah, let's do that again. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. In two seconds in, I'm like, shit, I forgot how bad this was. Yeah, so, uh, like, I I feel like the movie is maybe the second or third best in all the X-Men movies. Like, I think, it, I, think only, it pro- I think that there are four good ones total. And this is, I actually... Oh, you said there are four good ones? Yeah. So wait, are, you, one are you putting the original X-Men in then? No, I'm actually not, one even, of the good not even putting X2 in either. I'm including Wolverine movies, though. I Logan obviously. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah no, no. If you yeah, include, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, never. yeah, yeah. Logan yeah. is good, uh, obviously. This is good. First yeah. class is good. And yes. I maintain that the first three fourths of the Wolverine are fucking great. The last bit with like uh, the, the woman with the poison, or whatever, like the. But the first three fourths of that fucking movie are unbelievable. I love that. Love it. I'll watch it on cable. And Wolverine's like claws are not supposed to be breakable. Not supposed to be breakable. See, this just is, irritated this the hell thing, out of me. AC, I, okay. Like, that didn't bother, like, I, okay, yeah, sure, I, you know, the bit where he's, like, holding the guy I mean, are we ever gonna, re- are we gonna review the Wolverine at some point? I can save my thoughts for that. Yeah, save your thoughts. I, I mean, I don't know uh, if we will, I do like it a lot, though. It's good, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot better that you would want to, like, that, than you might remember, for that Yeah, because the thing is, I was, um, when I was watching all the XL movies, I was primed that, um, because I, I actually have never seen X-Men Origins Wolverine because I was told it was bad, and I don't really care it's about terrible it. terrible here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was told that the Wolverine's only a little bit better, but I'm like, let me give the Wolverine a chance. It's like, I feel like this is better than, like, the original X-Men movies. But anyway, we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just... It's, it's a fine movie. It just doesn't really uh, keep up with the times. That's all it is. So, like... It's just so hard to look at it without thinking about everything else that's being made at the time mm-hmm. and not think, like, this is not up to par with that. So just all the things that you used to be fine with before because you didn't know that there was going to be anything better. Yeah. Like, it was less forgivable this time around. Um, uh, yeah, things I've touched upon, like, in terms of Mystique being just such a huge part, we already mentioned that. I don't right. really care for it. I actually really do like the Rebe- Rebecca Romaine Mystique from before in a lot of ways, I think, more than the Jennifer Lawrence one. It's not a thing about liking Rebecca Romaine more than Jennifer Lawrence's actresses, but just like think, how the yeah, characters were handled. Cast, actually. I, right. I'm, a, and, I'm a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. I think that a lot of the uh, internet, like the post, like the backlash to her popularity is a bit dumb. But I, th- I think that she's mm-hmm. just too that she just doesn't like Jennifer Lawrence just doesn't have like the sinisterness to her like you know right. it's really hard to like watch her and not think like yeah I feel you're she just has an inherent likability that I don't think Mystique should have. That's fair, yeah. And um, Sentinels were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? All right, here's what I want to say. I was I, I, I was, I was, I was laying that up for you, buddy. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> Because they made them old Sentinels look like a bunch of just overgrown vacuum cleaners, man. Yeah. Like, what 
Jeez. You know, oh, you, you're talking look, about, like, you're the ones in, the ones back in time, at least, like, shared some of the colors and, like, some of the general look, but, which weren't great, but the ones at the beginning, like, the future evolved ones just that just don't look them. like anything. They're so, exactly, they're yeah. so nondescript. If you ask me to describe yeah. what Which I think was, like, the like, point, right? Because like, like, they're supposed to, yeah. like, yeah. change everything, um, which sucks because it also has one of the best Iceman, like, action, like, that's the thing that, that hits me about every X-Men movie there are points where you're like, oh, this is what I've always wanted to see in a live action X-Men movie. Like when I see Iceman like strolling, like going around and like making paths of ice and like mm-hmm. yeah. being in fully like ice form, mm-hmm. like that looks fantastic. I mean, the set pieces but in then, this movie are, I actually would say that like the set pieces are among the best. I think that I would argue that the effect of Magneto taking like lifting up the stadium and putting it around the white house is in the top right. i would say probably five set pieces in a, any superhero movie ever i so like it, the, the problem with the movie is not at all the only thing I, stuff. That, about the magneto one specifically that like he did it with the golden gate bridge in x3 also so sure. it kind of just felt <laughs> like let's just pick a new uh monument to lift up sure. um like but at the same time, too, it was like a fantastic, like like you said, just to the lift it up and have it around the White House. Is so yeah, like the, the, the wide really shot cool. is so cool. Where you see it just around the White oh, House, yes. it's so cool. Without question, um, that's like one thing I think you have to give Brian Singer credit for. Like he just he has some of the best set pieces and action sequences in comic book. Uh, like all comic book film history, like we can name back so many of the other ones, the Wolverine and the X uh, in the mansion X two, like going berserker rage and uh, like the nightcrawler one we talk about all the time. And oh, really this Quicksilver yes. scene just being kind of like the evolution of the nightcrawler scene and just how brilliantly it's like put together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it, like it has all those highs, but then it also has like all the things that bother me about X Men movie. Like, why are there mutants that I've never heard of? Or like, yeah. I don't know who they are. Like, mm-hmm. Fire Guy, who's not Fire Guy, or Johnny Storm, just he's Fire Guy. Yeah, he's Sorry, let's get back to your sentiment. I want to hear Anthony's uh, Sentinel rant. Go. Oh boy, them damn Sentinels, man. Let me tell you, boy. Like you I put said, a vacuum cleaner uh, sound effect under it while he's talking honestly, through. Honestly, no, because that is just going to be irritating. Like, there's some sound effects. It's like no, <laughs> like the way the Sentinels look. Hey, sure, exactly. But like, I, you know, unlike uh, Brian Singer, I care about what our fans think. So, you know, <laughs> fair uh, enough. It just felt so unimaginative. Yeah. And at least, I mean, the cartoon ones look better. The cartoon ones from the '90s look better. They just did. It's just so. Oh, it's just very irritating in general. But yeah, the sentinels, so the sentinels were not my favorite part of the movie for sure. Um, I'm trying to think: is there anything else that I really didn't like? They, you know what? There's there's a little bit of um, some che- there's a little bit of a cheesiness aspect to like the obvious at the end. Somebody has to, it, it, you know how most superhero movies go. Like it, mm-hmm. I, it's a part of this one for whatever reason, it annoyed me now. And I don't know, maybe it's just a comparison to that year. What we got. Cause remember, like we're talking about, this was released in 2014. So you have winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy. And uh, I was trying to figure out which movies were out at the same time as it. And like, yeah, and those are the two, like, God, it's <laughs> like, there's no comparison. So yeah. I think, like, from from that standpoint, I just I'm just thinking about like there was a little bit of cheesiness there. But I mean, otherwise, it was it, like we we talk about how good um, how good these movies are in general. Um, this is definitely like I want to say third. Yeah, I, I want to say what third. Was before it, uh, I'm guessing X2, Logan, obviously, right? X two. Really, I'll be honest. I rewatched. I don't. Think X two holds up as well. I don't know when the last time you saw it was. I think it has so much more of the cheesy stuff. A couple of years ago, like the okay. yeah. No, I, I imagine it probably doesn't hold up nearly as the well. The parts. I mean, I think I'm being a little uncharitable because I'm I dislike the the bits, the heavy handed bits a lot. I think the set pieces mm. are really unbelievable, even for now. Like the effects, maybe not so much, but like the imagine imaginativeness of the set pieces. But mm. 
yeah, I, but I think that generally agree. And the way I would describe how I feel about this movie, though, in terms of how much I like it, is that uh, a few months ago, uh, it was just on FX, and uh, my brothers and I were hanging out, and then our friend came over, and we were going to do something. Uh, but, like, we just all decided, like, only without speaking, like, we're just going to get through the last hour of this movie. You know, that's on FX. <laughs> and so I think like, that, that that is definitely... Uh, the, whereas with the MCU, there are probably four movies that I wouldn't know, five movies I wouldn't do that with. Um, mm-hmm. This one, the fact that it's above that is uh, good. But my nitpicks, and I got some, I got some nitpicks. One, and I this might be controversial. I Ooh, think let me hear. that the JFK stuff is so cheesy and just so like out of it. Just it, the, the thing implying is, that he's a mutant. That, and then, like, the a bullet that curved is, like, that's just, like... And then also, like, okay, mm-hmm. so it's the bullet curved, but Magneto says he's trying to save him. Like, what, was someone... Was it, like, in Harry Potter when both Quarrel and Snape are enchanting the broom and they're fighting it? Like, was there another magnetic guy who was manipulating the bullet? I How think, was he trying to save him? I, I think the idea of that is... But, like, it makes no sense because he would, could only curve it away. I understand. Exactly. So... Exactly. That's so, like, no, no, just, like, I'm agreeing with you. Like, he yeah. can only curve it away. So, if he curves it away and they still stop him, it yeah. goes away. It exactly. doesn't come back yeah. into so what trajectory. Was, it, he was going to miss and then it curved. But anyway, and also, I, mean, I, I do, offer I, this option. I do what love if the, uh, whoever's, I, yeah. Like, what if whoever does the shot is just such a bad shot that Magneto inadvertently puts it in that direction? Like, yeah. would, you per, would you be okay with that explanation? Yeah, I mean, yes, but then I think we also need to reevaluate some, like, whether. You know, uh, extremely Bill Simmons voice. Magneto, we sure he was good. Um, but uh, <laughs> but also, I do think it's also kind of funny. Side note that James McAvoy says, James McAvoy says, do not, do not, like a bullet that curves, and it's like you know all about bullets that curve because you weren't wanted. A movie that was deeply unsatisfying. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I, I'm very keen on noticing accents, and I think that Nicholas Holt's accent goes in and out in ways that I think are pretty noticeable at times. He does the thing that a lot of British actors do where, because, um, like, uh, there's the whole, uh, where the main difference between American accents and British accents are rhotic and non-rhotic, mm-hmm. where the, basically British people traditionally don't say their R's uh, after, after vowels, and most American accents do besides, like, New York and Boston. And so what a lot of times will happen is... And this happens with Tom Hardy and Venom a lot, that you'll have someone who's speaking in like a traditional American accent, but like on some words it'll sound like a New York accent because they're dropping their R's, and that happens a lot right. with Nicholas Holt. Anyway, that's just me being Love like, your Venom voice, by the way. <laughs> Love your Tom Hardy Venom voice. Oh my voice. god. I can't make sure it's gonna I haven't seen it, but let me see if I can tap into it again. I mean you understand it. No, I can't that's a Venom. No, I can't. That's just me being manic. Um but it's something like that. It's not that's not far off. Um and, oh, I think the the thing that I always I think about a lot, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of like small like if you talk about the big picture things I don't like about this movie, but the bit where Mystique is the Secret Service guy and he's facing yeah, yeah. the president with his hand in his jacket pocket grabbing a gun, no one notices that, not one person. <laughs> he's clearly no, tra- no, you wouldn't know that in the high security bunker that they're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both times. Both that, and then yeah. even outside, like, there are TV cameras, like, not a single person is like, huh, it's very really strange that that guy is, like, looking at the pre- at the president with hate in his eyes. Oh, that part, oh, that part. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. That's how notes. JFK got killed. Bad those security. are my negative notes. Um, <laughs> God, you really, Jerome. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Doesn't doesn't it just make it more consistent with the plot at that point? Yeah, just a tale of bad security. <laughs> Magneto Whoa. gets out. Bad security. Just... Yeah. X Men. Bad Actually, security. In fairness, I don't think that they could have anticipated mm-hmm. a guy who could walk like run faster than like the speed of light, the whole speed of sound. That's true. Um, but yeah. Uh, are, what, what categories up next? Or can I do my bit? Like, look at my notes. Can I do the rest of my uh, my bits and bobs notes? Yeah, because we all, we got yeah, favorite yeah, line and favorite scenes, so do your thing, okay. bro. Okay, quick, just going to run down them. Bolivar Trask is the most comic book-ass name. Like, that is crazy. <laughs> Bolivar, many. Right. Um, I think that we need an R-rated Magneto film where, like, he, because uh, I was thinking about when he's, like, using those, like, balls as weapons, 
it's like and they just hit people <laughs> and knock them out. Like yeah. I didn't see a Magnum movie where they go through people's heads. I'm not I'm not trying to be morbid, but well, like I mean cool I mean out. Hitler Hitler uh or not Hitler, but like Nazi killing Magneto in first class. That was my favorite Magneto by far. Yes. The bit where he pulls the guy's tooth, holy shit. Love it. Yeah, um, like, and that I think that's where the Matthew Vaughn like bat flare, yes. like that's what I'm missing. I mean, Matthew like, Vaughn that's... is, um, yeah, he's just great. Uh, I will watch basically any movie he makes. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I love that during the bit where he's going, where uh, Professor X is going through everyone's mind at the uh, press conference, like at the unveiling of the Sentinels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You hear all the media like thought secrets, and there's one where you just hear a woman, "I'm pregnant." <laughs> Which I think is very funny. Um, I think that the bit with Wolverine going through the metal detector is truly inspired. Like, that is – that's one of those bits right. where, as someone, you know, who I'm queuing up the sound effect now, you know, spent – went a little bit of school for writing TV movies. Uh, that is the hey. thing I can tell you from experience. When you think of that, you just want to get up and tell everyone, like, holy shit, guys. I wrote this whole – but this one thing is so, so good. <laughs> Um, it's not realistic, but I do love the idea that the White House bunker is right underneath the rug in the Oval Office. That would be like a yeah. really bad place for it to be. Um, uh, One would think. It sucks that bad security. Um, that when they go back in time and they redo everything, like whereas Kitty Pride like had you know was with Iceman, all of a sudden now she's like a single and alone. You know. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's a really right. good point. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's back with Rogue. Yeah, and then my last thing. Speaking of Iceman, on a scale of one to ten. How happy do you think Sean Ashmore was when on the first day of filming they handed him his meal voucher? <laughs> All right. Honestly, I did spend a good amount of time last night thinking of what's the meanest question I can ask that is basically just Sean, uh, Sean Ashmore didn't do anything other than X-Men. Because really, if you watch the first X-Men, the thing that's crazy about it is how much – it is reliant on, like, like in the same way that, like, Harry Potter is reliant on Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Green are all going to be stars. The first X-Men is, like, making a huge bet. Like, Sean Ashmore, he's going to be the next Matt Damon. And, uh, nope. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He's, like, like the yes, second lead. Like, he's, like, no, point. probably, like, third, fourth lead in that movie. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they doubled down by X2. They're like, well, we've already committed ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't he's like, uh... movies. I don't know why he's not, he wasn't successful, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that 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 that, that was the tour de force, Jake. Thank Shout you, out you. to you. I honestly, I've been I've been lining, you know, sitting on the bench. Put me in, coach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. In the next next couple of weeks, we're gonna try to fire some of these yeah. bad boys up. All right. So these last so these last couple of categories. Um, mm-hmm. uh, favorite scene. Favorite scene of the movie. Come on. Come on. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's. Uh... <laughs> from questions. Right. Um. No, no, that's <laughs> obvious, right? No, it's go like ahead, only... Jerome. Oh, what's your What's I mean, your favorite it's... scene? It's the only good part of, like, it's the only, it's the most redeeming part of the movie. It's why the movie, like, even matters. Like, it takes it from like a six to like argue whatever you want to rate the movie as, but like, it can add at least a point or two mm. to like how good it is because it's so iconic. It's the Quicksilver scene, right? Yeah, oh, by far, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think even the Quicksilver yeah. scene in Apocalypse is awesome. It makes yeah. that makes that movie uh, slightly unwatchable, as opposed to. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like because yeah. that is, I've seen like Ooh. I've seen corpses dredged out of rivers that are less bloated than that movie. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, I I would say uh, those scenes really make you appreciate YouTube. Yes, because oh my God, I've that's all I ever need. Like that's all times. I ever need at that point, right? <laughs> like I, I told you guys, I've seen this movie over like so many times already. I don't know that I have. I've seen the Quicksilver scene like oh, hundreds of times. Time. Right? I, if it's I've in my recommended YouTube, YouTube videos, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm gonna put that number there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just exactly. the music, or just the music on it, and all of it is just—it's tantalizing. It's. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to watch. So if we're all in agreement on that, we'll go to favorite line. Uh, Jake, what's your favorite line in this movie? Um, I'm not actually 100% sure. I'm actually thinking about it. Um, I do like a lot of the uh, interplay the first time that Wolverine goes to the Academy. Like uh, where uh, the line that I made that comes to mind is when uh, Charles Xavier says, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm going to have to ask him to ask you to leave. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. Um 
I think a lot, the, the big thing about this movie in terms of lines is, and I'm, I was scrolling through the IMDb quotes thing, I think one of the things it suffers from is that, whereas my MO is always just to make a funny line, but the lines that are serious in this movie are so ham-handed that, like, they're not, mm. like, none of them land. Like, they all feel, they take you out of the movie, whereas some, like, in Marvel, sometimes that still happens. But like in the MCU, a lot of times. But the, definitely not as much. Exactly, a lot of times, like the big, but the big boom. This is what you're gonna be thinking about. You leave the theater lines aren't cheesy. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that, Jerome. How about you, Brett? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what lines actually happened in this film because I can't think of like the. Hank asking Wolverine if he like makes and he just gives him a flat no. That was kind of all right. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on this one because I don't actually remember a lot of the lines and okay. I didn't even think about that. Um, can can I just pretend like a line is just again that Quicksilver scene because that's really all that matters to me. By 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 all means, it's okay, Thank my you. friend. No no problem. Um. Me, it's a yeah. I think the the Logan showing up at the mansion stuff was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Logan, the, Logan the Beast. You and I are going to be good friends, and then punches him in the face. You just don't know it yet, right? That, that I, just as just simple. Like I think Jake is completely right. Like the line of um, old Xavier to young Xavier. Just because someone stumbles and loses their path doesn't mean they're lost forever. Sounds like <laughs> so Shakespearean. It's almost, it almost reminded me of Thor. Yeah. But though I really, for some reason, I was into no, the because, Thor because dialogue Thor, with Loki. Thor also, because Thor balances it out. Like, Thor acknowledges that it's ridiculous. That's the thing. Yeah, like, that's that true. So much of <laughs> Thor is the dramatic, like, god opera. And then it's completely, you see how absurd that is when he's shouting that he's the god of thunder and is then getting, like, knocked out by uh, Syringe. Um, I, I will give... I'll give a general shout to any kind of Wolverine Magneto interaction because yeah. I think what kind of prevails throughout all of it, whether it's the Ian McKellen version or the Michael Fassbender one, like just the Wolverine Magneto dynamic is uh, it's always something very interesting, especially because Magneto could always destroy Wolverine. Like the scene yeah. where um, he puts all the metal spikes through him and sends him away, like that's a bad. That was pretty scene. cool. Yeah, and um, I think to any of the comic fans, I think it's supposed to be a little bit of an allusion to. Uh, I don't know exactly when it happens, but doesn't uh, Magneto just completely rip Wolverine apart by taking off all his adamantium uh, covering at some point in the comics? I'm trying to remember. See, the the one thing that I like that would be like my no, it's happened before. I'm pretty sure. Now I remember in the in the Ultimate book, I remember um, Hulk tore Wolverine in half. Like literally, right. just like chucked half of him somewhere and his leg somewhere else. Um, I gotta look up the, I gotta look up this uh, Wolverine Magneto interaction. And that was a good point. Like the Wolverine Magneto interactions in probably all of the movies have been pretty good. I, you know, the thing is, I think that was the fact <laughs> yeah. That there's X2... actually one oh, a no. moment in the comics. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's one moment in the comics where Magneto forcibly removes all the adamantium from Wolverine's yeah. skeleton, which oh, is like fire. I may nasty. Have to read that. Um, but, uh, and I think yeah. uh, when I saw that in this movie, I figured I felt like that was kind of what it was supposed to be like. It was like. Uh, it's kind of like a callback, but not directly doing it because that would be like way too gory for a PG or I mean, I whatever. Think that in ratings. one of the X Men movies, he definitely does like use it to throw him around by the fact that his body's all metal. But um, yes. what I was going to say is I think the fact that X2 is the one that we single out as the good one in the original three is. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, I, I think in, in the comics and in the cartoons and stuff, it's probably different. But I think with, especially with the new cast. The chemistry that Fassbender and McAvoy and uh, Jackman and all of them have, like, I just much prefer when Magneto is a, like, tenuous ally than when he's the big bad. Because, like, I just, right. the, the, their interactions are just so much um, richer when it's, when they're, there's the tension is between whether or not he's going to break bad rather than he's already bad. And, like, I'm, I'm a lot less interested in, Professor X pleading to Magneto to be good than I am. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not as interesting to me as Magneto being willing to put aside things and, like, them to work. Because Magneto, I think, especially because of what we saw in first class, I think that it's good that they don't immediately make Ma- – they don't, like, do a uh, Game of Thrones season eight and, like, 
make Magneto go from at the end of first class, like he's kind of bad, but like not not really. He's not like a terrible right. dude. And like if he was like if he was a big bad in this movie, you'd have been like, what the hell happened? Like they were only like they just stopped being friends at the end of the last one. So um, I like that they kind of he's not uh, that they're, they're still in contact and they still have a lot of scenes together because that's that's where like the movie really sings. Like the plane scene where like he grabs the plane, like that's cool shit. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Cool Without too. question. Um, like, Fastbender. I, I we're just really going back to Fastbender yeah, at this point. But just cool. the way he commands his powers through it mm-hmm. is just so seriously badass in different moments. Um, uh, like he's he's clearly the most powerful mutant in that way. Like I know it's supposed to be Xavier in some ways too, but uh, he doesn't have his powers for the majority of it. But just yeah. He's just so in control of himself and the most dangerous character out there. And to Jake's point, it's always just that fun little, like, will he break bad at any given point? Um, yeah. Which is great because once you go through this and every other uh, movie that follows afterward, it's always the same moment of, like, it's like that uh, joke that Chris Rock had about uh, Siegfried and Roy where it's like that tiger didn't, like, go crazy. That tiger went tiger. Like, <laughs> it's just Magneto and Magneto. Like, and that's all he did at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's um Magneto overall, especially especially Fastbender, of course. Uh, Got to show him love. He, he he adds so much to the character and adds so much to Can uh, I the movies in else general. That I completely makes... forgot to earlier, or unless you yeah, sure. Else, but I, obviously, we're just gonna go in circles about Fastbender, and I can do that all day. But I think that's something that I read <laughs> that I thought when I first saw the movie, and I'm glad that was like backed up in interviews and stuff like that. Like I think it is such a really inspired casting choice to make Peter Dinklage play Trask because the mm-hmm. subtext of that, and it is, Peter Dinklage has talked about this in interviews and stuff like that, so I don't feel like I'm being, like, inappropriate, that, like, the subtext of someone who has, like, dwarfism, which is inherently a genetic mutation, but is not, like, advantageous, like, the superpowers the X-Men have, resenting them, yeah. like, that is such a, and they don't ever go into it, and I don't think they need to, but that is such Well, they a... only did it, like, briefly in, yeah. like, one line where one of the right. uh, guys that he's talking to at the... Yeah, w- when he's trying be... to make his case. I think it would be exploitive if there would be a lot of him, like, ha, 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 they think that I'm so... <laughs> like, they think that they're so much better than me because their mutation was good. Like, that would be legitimately, <laughs> ha, ha, like, ha, was something else, Jake. And, like, that would just be... they make you feel icky about it, right? But there is a tension um, there with... Like that whole, because uh, I think that that really, I think that really helps makes you reckon with what a genetic mutation means and like what all that, um, what would make someone hate mutants that much? You know, and in a way that I think that makes him feel so much more full than mm-hmm. as a, as you I, you understand his motivations a lot more than you do like a say a striker, um, yeah, in X Men Two. But yeah, I think that that was a really interesting choice, and I think Peter Dinklage is just a great actor, and so um, yeah, yeah, I, I really did like him in this role. I did too. That's underrated that we didn't really talk about that. Thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so guys, wh- as far as like this this movie overall, we've kind of discussed where we kind of have it in the, mm-hmm. in terms of where we rank it. Sure, we could talk about this on the pod. What what do you what do you want to do next? Oh shoot! Um, what other movies will we do at this point? I, cho- I chose Days of the Future Past. Um, Jerome, you should choose the next one. Oof, that's. I mean, I can either go like into further uh, torture on all of our specific like. Listen, if list. you chose Dark Phoenix, that 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 would be there. There's potential with that one. There is. If we do Dark Phoenix, we got to try to bring Steph back. This is honestly yeah. becoming like an offline conversation at this no, point. No, it's fine. This is yeah. uh, like I listen to another no, podcast to know. Like, if you're in it yeah. an hour in, like. Come on, like you want to know where you're, you're in. <laughs> you're yeah, this is yeah, yeah this yeah, is this, yeah, so, this yeah. is all good, man. Yeah. But, um, no, no, enjoy listening to us like plan out our coffee date right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that that's great. I think I'd be willing to do Dark Phoenix. I'm definitely gonna like I I, I just could make no bones about it. I, there's gonna be some alcohol involved if I'm gonna watch it. You haven't um, wait, wait, you haven't seen it yet, right? No, I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. There is one scene I cannot wait for both of you to see. I'm, I'm really excited. Like, the one thing I'm excited to see. How much, how much do you know about it? Like nothing? Like you don't I know, know anything about it? The thing I've heard about it that very I'm excited small to see tidbits. is the thing I heard over and over. Because I listened to a lot of podcasts and like read reviews of it. Because mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to hear about how movies that are like huge movies fail. That's just so fascinating to me. That the repeated thing I saw over and over again is like, 
Jessica Chastain is going for it in a way that is just bizarre given the context of the movie and I'm really excited for that because <laughs> right. I love her and I love when act when actors and actresses who are really good or in a really shitty movie and try really hard and it still sucks <laughs> like it just makes me I there's there's just something and I think um you've just been talking about it throughout Jay because it, it's just so difficult to nail down what tone they're going for mm-hmm. because sometimes they're like super self-serious sometimes they're a little uh, smug with what they do sometimes they're a little cartoonish I I feel almost, and maybe this is just because of my attachment to the cartoons themselves, I kind of wish they went like full camp at this point with that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I do understand being that it's X-Men, it's out of all the comic properties, I know it's really the one of the most heavy-handed in how direct it is a metaphor for so many of the different issues they talk about. Um but all that said, uh, let's watch Dark Phoenix. Uh, okay. It's, it's, and let's really try to bring Steph on okay. because yes. if there's any opportunity to uh, have her go in on Professor X, it is definitely through Dark Phoenix because Dark Phoenix is horrible. Uh, <laughs> it's mm. so bad. It is written and let it be done. All right. That sounds like a plan. Um, before we get out of here, before we uh, outro... Did want to say something quick uh, about Marvel TV and kind of what's happening. Uh, Jeff Loeb, who's kind of been in charge of Marvel TV for a while now, um, he's going to be out of there. And Kevin Feige is going to oversee everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. And when I say mean everything, I mean everything. We're talking about TV. We're talking about, obviously, the movies. We're talking about even the comic books now to a, to a decent extent. Artwork, all those things. He is overseeing it. He literally has the whole Marvel world in his hands so with that you're gonna see some of the uh marvel shows that i think there were plans for previously like i think season three of the runaways is gonna air in december but i'm gonna guess that's gonna be the last of that uh cloak and dagger got canceled which which uh hurt my my poor little heart a little bit because i'm a fan of cloak and dagger and i really enjoyed the first two seasons of that show shout out to showrunner with joe pokaski who came on this podcast and yeah was really, really kind with his time mm-hmm. uh, to talk to us about the show and its stories. But um, yeah, Marvel's in a Marvel's in a new age and a new place, mm-hmm. and the content is going to be coming out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, in, in the next couple of years, so. And uh, yeah, we shout- decide to watch Dark Phoenix. <laughs> this is the thing, Jerome. Well, because we still if got. I we care, still if I paid deep attention to what I decide <laughs> to watch, I would have. Had oh no! Several no. I'm more, with you, dude. I would have had so I'm, many more crises. <laughs> Uh, in my life, like I just if Deuce so, Bigelow, Mel Gigolo had any association with Marvel, like I wouldn't make you guys I've watch. Actually, it. I've never seen it, thankfully, um, but I have definitely seen comedies in the same genre that are just as bad, if not worse. So I don't. Maybe feel... I can like convince you guys that the animals like a spinoff of Beast, and then we have to. No, I have seen the animal. I saw the animal when I was way too young to get most of it, and so I'm wondering if right, I saw right. it now how I feel about it. But Jesus. Let me say this. Like, the fact of the matter is that, like, think about how if, like, a, you know, director of color or, like, a female director, like, has one movie that, like, underperforms by, like, 2%, they never get to do anything. Like, Patty Jenkins couldn't direct anything after Monster, even though she directed an Academy Award-winning performance until Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Yet, Rob Schneider got chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. Oh, my God. (laughs) Rob Schneider starting, like, (laughs) 10 movies. God. Mm Also, you know that he – it's so great that uh, he got uh, – the reason he's not in Grown Ups too is just because everyone didn't like him mm-hmm. and they didn't want to be around him anymore because <laughs> uh, he's uh, like weird and anti-vax now, uh, which is why he blocked me on Twitter. Um, I don't get blocked on Twitter by celebrities that much because I don't tag celebrities and stuff. But I – and I didn't tag Rob Schneider in the tweet that he ended up blocking me for, which means that that's right. He searched his name. Um which is just like <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, that's well, great. The thing is, don't worry, I, I, I didn't just make fun of him for being anti-vax. I also made fun of him for having a show on CBS called Rob that got canceled after five episodes. I did both of those things, so I don't know what it was. That sounds so familiar. That he was. Yeah. It was well. It was about how he married into a Hispanic family, so it was Rob, but with the upside down exclamation point and the right side up one around it. Oh god. So it was like Rob. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> It's a perfect way to lead us to our next podcast, which will be Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> Jay Christie, where can we follow you, buddy? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jay Christie. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast, Sword of History, which I haven't done any episodes for in a while. I'm working on another podcast project. Um, 
and they're just uh you know i might even be working on another another podcast project who the hell knows but uh yeah i love doing these podcasts and if you guys um would be interested in hearing me talk about anything else if you guys want to hear me talk about shows from two, the 21st century that got canceled after one season, that is, I mean, in terms of me, I, I, I think is I haven't mm. watched most of them, but I just have like an, a memory of like random shit. Like, oh yeah, I remember that there was a show on 2006. It was called Medical Investigation. Great stuff. Actually, I think it was like 2004. But anyway, uh, so yeah, follow me there. Um, and uh, I don't know, um, register to vote. Nice. <laughs> Jake Christie, nice. all about, all about the, all about the people, man. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, brother. You. Uh, Jerome, where can we uh, follow you, sir? As the person who just chose uh, for this podcast to watch Dark Phoenix next, um, follow me further into the abyss at Black Dragon Roll on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> oh man! And as for me, you could follow me at AC Spotlight nine five. Um, I do Moonlight on the TV Book Club on the Count the Dinks Network. Shout out to the Count the Dinks Network. Um, and obviously this podcast, rate, review, subscribe as we go further into the abyss of X-Men. Because listen, Black Widow's not till May. So we got to fill the time. Mm-hmm. So in, the, in the meantime, enjoy this podcast and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.